It's Midday Magazine for Friday, October 20th. I'm Shelby Herbert. A teacher and coach was honored in Petersburg on Monday night for his dedication to kids. Jamie Cabral received one of three statewide awards given out this year by the Alaska Children's Trust. KFSK's Hannah Floor attended the event and has this story. People of all ages pack the Petersburg High School commons, chatting and eating pizza. They're waiting to celebrate Jamie Cabral. Cabral is Dean of Students and Activities Director of Petersburg's Secondary Schools. Last month, he received the Alaska Children's Trust's Champion for Kids Award at a ceremony in Anchorage. Now, it's time for a hometown celebration. School board member Katie Homeland introduces Cabral. So, Jamie, tonight we're here to say we see you. We see the hours and hours at the ball fields. We see the long weekends at the basketball court, the volleyball court. We see the high fives in the hallway. And we see the belief that you have in our kids, who many of them are up here. So thank you for always believing in them. Thank you for seeing the best in them. Homeland is one of two people who nominated Cabral for the award. She says he was the obvious choice. Yeah, it was an easy pick. You see the way that he interacts with the kids and the amount of joy he has for his job. It was easy. The award recognizes people who, quote, demonstrate dedication and commitment in working to ensure that children and youth are living in safe, supportive, and nurturing communities, unquote. Cabral is not only a leader in the middle and high schools, he also coaches volleyball, Native Youth Olympics, and Little League, to name a few. But Homeland says his impact goes far beyond that. It is hard. No, it's not hard. It's incredible thinking about the number of things that he does and does so well and so genuinely for our kids. And the impact that he has on kids for their entire life. The Alaska Children's Trust is a statewide organization focused on preventing child abuse and neglect. Trevor Soares is the president and CEO. He says that when kids have positive relationships with adults, it can help reduce risks. When they have at least one caring adult that they can go to, that they can trust and ask for help, that really has a major impact. Eli Anderson is a freshman at Petersburg High School. He says Cabral helped him figure out how to deal with a recent injury. He spoke directly to Cabral during the award ceremony. You just overall just been the, an amazing influence in my life. I, I can't thank you enough, and I think I speak on the behalf of literally every student that goes to this school that we just have an unending amount of just th- thankfulness for you because you're just so amazing. Thank you so much, Mr. Cabral. Anderson says he feels like he can go to Cabral for absolutely anything. Cabral says a lot of who he is comes from his childhood in Hawaii. The values that we have a lot around the family, you know, and making sure we're doing right and taking care of, you know, everyone. He says he sees the community as part of a big family, one with different backgrounds, but where teamwork can make anything possible. But he also credits a particular role model in his life, his high school teacher and baseball coach, Mr. Souza. He was he was the inspiration he says Mr. Souza was very firm, but was constantly looking for ways to inspire his kids and help them accomplish their goals. And so supportive of the kids. You know, he would have us over at, at their house. I remember how many times he would say, study session tonight, Mrs. Souza's cooking dinner.
School Board member Katie Holman says now it's Cabral who constantly supports kids in Petersburg. I don't know how you manage to do it all, but you do it with a smile on your face, and it becomes very clear that the hard work is your hard work. So, Jamie, thank you. We appreciate you. You're a teacher, a dad, mentor, coach, cheerleader, world-class athletics director, and our Petersburg champion for kids. There were more than a few misty eyes at the end of the ceremony as the crowd headed into the school library for cupcakes and cookies. In Petersburg, I'm Hannah Floor. The two other recipients of this year's Champion for Kids Awards were Robert G. Denny of Talkeetna and Deborah Northberg of Anchorage. Two teenagers will pay several thousand dollars in fines and forfeit their guns and hunting licenses for illegally shooting two brown bears on the Sitka road system last fall and dumping the carcasses. Robert Woolsey reports from Sitka. 17-year-old Peter Wesley Holst last month pleaded guilty to seven misdemeanor counts ranging from unlawful methods of taking game to hunting in a closed area to failure to salvage a brown bear hide and skull. Five other related charges were dismissed by Magistrate Judge Pamela Stela Kernin. According to court documents, Holst and co-defendant, 17-year-old Bay Evan Barkhofer, shot a brown bear on the evening of September 30, 2022, on the Nelson Logging Road outside of Sitka. Holst used a Remington 12-gauge shotgun to kill the animal. Barkhofer fired a Ruger 44 Magnum pistol, but missed based on cell phone video evidence provided to wildlife troopers by a witness. Neither Holst or Barkhofer was in possession of a bear tag, and the animal was illuminated in the headlights of Holst's vehicle, a Chevy Silverado pickup, which was stopped less than a quarter mile from the state highway, Halibut Point Road. The pair, aided by some other teens, then loaded the carcass into the pickup and drove partway up Harbor Mountain Road and dumped the carcass over an embankment. On October 8, 2022, again, according to court documents, Holst killed a second brown bear, again in the headlights of his vehicle on the Nelson Logging Road near the footbridge over Stargavin Creek. He was accompanied by another teen who did not fire a gun, but instead, with the assistance of multiple juveniles, helped load the illegally killed bear into the truck and drive it to Harbor Mountain Road for disposal. Barkhofer pleaded guilty to five wildlife violations for his participation in the first incident with total fines of $1,250. He'll be on probation for two years and unable to hunt or trap for the first year of his probation. Holst was fined a total of $7,000 with $3,500 suspended, the balance of which he can pay or serve 350 hours of community service instead. He'll pay $2,600 restitution to the state of Alaska for the two bears, either in cash or from his permanent fund dividends for the next two years. Holst will be on probation for four years and unable to hunt for the first two years of his probation. Both teens forfeited the firearms used in the incidents. Their phones and GoPro camera were returned. Alaska wildlife troopers were able to locate the discarded carcass of one of the bears on Harbor Mountain Road, The hide and skull of the animal were present, but the two front paws had been removed. According to court documents, Holst admitted to disposing of the claws in a section of the bear's hide on Blue Lake Road on the morning of October 12, 2022, in anticipation of contact from wildlife troopers investigating the shooting of a brown bear 
outside of Hulse Home on the 1400 block of Edgecombe Drive the previous night. The subsequent trooper investigation determined that the Edgecombe Drive bear was killed legally in defense of life or property, and the names of Holst and another involved juvenile were not publicly linked to the incident. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Ketchikan got nearly seven inches of rain on Tuesday, which broke the record for the most rain that day. Grant Smith is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Juneau. He says it was a rainy day, but not that rainy. Ketchikan Airport's overall record, that's the 14th wettest day. So, I mean, this wasn't even a top 10 event for Ketchikan. Um, that just kind of shines some light on, on just how wet the Ketchikan area can get in those extreme rain events. Remnants of Typhoon Bolivon brought the rain from the Pacific. The typhoon had been bringing rain into the southeast region for days. A lot of moisture was just wrapped up in it. And as that moisture hit uh, the uh, panhandle, started dropping a lot of rain. And when you have our topography like we have with all these mountain ranges and things, and, and that can really just enhance rainfall in a lot of areas. And everything lined up to just get Ketchikan uh, almost seven inches of rain in one day. Seven inches of rain might sound like a lot, but Ketchikan is one of the rainiest communities in the state. The record for one day is nearly nine inches of rain. That was set on October 11th, 1977. On average, Kajikan gets nearly 150 inches of precipitation a year. Wrangell's government has committed millions of dollars to developing new housing lots at the site of a former Bureau of Indian Education boarding school. As Sage Smiley reports, the borough faces serious questions about how to meet their goal of getting the new housing lots into the hands of locals who see Wrangell as a year-round home. Earlier this summer, the former Wrangell Institute site was covered in thick alders. Now, trucks drive back and forth from the site carrying loads of brush. Large swaths of the sloping area have been cleared and are dotted with heavy machinery. The ground is covered in rock pads, getting ready for construction. The western half of the 134-acre property closest to Zamovia Highway is being developed into 22 new housing lots. The development is called Aldertop Village after the historic Tlingit name for the site, Keishan Gita'an. Borough manager Jeff Good says Wrangell officials want Aldertop Village to help families grow roots in town. And the whole goal, I think, of the property and what the assembly wanted to do was to, to help lower to middle income families and the younger families to be able to afford a property, uh, to build a house or have a house and then to move here for jobs because that's, a, that's an issue for us as we move forward and that really impacts our economic development. But how does a municipal government ensure newly built lots in Wrangell's tiny, tight housing market actually get into the hands of the intended buyers, those lower-income young families that will build a home and a life on the island? Wrangell Economic Development Director Kate Thomas says her office is deep in discussions about how to best sell the lots, whether through public surplus auctions, sealed bids, a lottery-style draw, or over-the-counter sales. She says they're looking at case studies of other municipalities' lot sales. We're also looking at criteria of the sale or stipulations, whether that be a requirement to have Alaska residency a certain number of years or terms for development, like you have to develop within five years of purchasing the land, minimum down payments. Another uh, stipulation that we saw that was interesting was um, 
in order to qualify for lottery sale, you couldn't already own land. So it gets the land into the hands of first-time landowners or home builders, which would be a positive thing, although there are some challenges or downfalls to that. And then limiting the number of parcels that people can purchase so that you don't have a monopoly on the land or something like that. The borough does have some time to make decisions. So while construction is underway for roads and clearing, uh, we still need to do the contract bids for utilities. And so there's a lot more planning uh, and construction that needs to take place before they're ready for sale. But Thomas says local interest is already high. Since ground has been broken, we've probably received 10 different inquiries. And the folks on the ground out there said they probably could have sold six parcels already just with people walking up on site. The history of Keishan Gita'an plays a role in how it's being developed as well. In 2021, development plans for the site ground to a halt after a First Nations group found the remains of hundreds of Indigenous children on the grounds of a former boarding school in British Columbia. In the following weeks, thousands more children were found at former school sites around Canada. The horrific discoveries prompted the U.S. federal government and Alaska State Historic Preservation Office to look into residential boarding schools in the state. A federal records survey and ground survey of the site did not find any cultural artifacts or human remains at the former Wrangell Institute, and development plans resumed in 2022. But because of Aldertop Village's historical significance, Wrangell is still required to have an archaeologist on site any time contractors might be disturbing the ground. Wrangell's assembly recently approved a contract extension for the archaeologist as development work has gone longer than expected. The monitor costs about $1,600 per day. That's caused some frustration for local assembly members like Bob Dalrymple. I don't begrudge the work and the necessary work to do this. I do begrudge the amount per day. It just blows me away. So how many people is it that we're paying for $1,600 a day? Is it one person? One? Yeah, I think it's one. How do I get a job like that? I better say... If the ongoing first phase development of Aldertop Village extends past November, it could cost even more. Wrangell Capital Facilities Director Ambrel Haddad says contractors are doing what they've been asked to, but major developments like this take time. I think that what they're doing is exactly what ne- is needed. You know, clearing the whole land first and then coming through and they're, they're excavating and returning, uh, filling right as they excavate. So you know, they're going through and doing it as fast as they can. It's just a long project. While development work is ongoing, Wrangell's Economic Development Board will hold a work session on the subdivision, including how to sell lots and what stipulations might be required for purchase in mid-November. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.